0: Hey, you're listening to the Treehouse Storyteller. Meet me in the Treehouse for God-shaped storytelling. Treehouse Storyteller is where we can come together as messy parents seeking Jesus together and raising kids to love him too. If you aren't scared of addressing cultural issues head on and finding a deeper understanding of the biblical worldview to share with your children, then you've come to the right place. I'm not afraid to be transparent and tell all of the juicy details Our children are being chased by the world, and it is our job to be well equipped and know not only how to lead our flock, but successfully send our arrows out into the world one day to build the kingdom. So snuggle up by the fire or soak up the sunshine with those earbuds in and meet me in the treehouse for some biblical storytelling. Hey, welcome back to the Treehouse Storyteller. We're flying through season one, and I'm so excited to announce that we have listeners in five different countries. I don't know how. I don't know people in five different countries, I don't think, um, and 24 different states. So I want to say thank you to all of you who are listening, whether it's your first time with us or you've been listening since the beginning. I truly appreciate your support and so thankful that you are part of this community so today we have a very special guest that stole my mama heart with her poetry she is a christian poet author homeschool mom of six and married for 10 years she is one of my younger guests but truly wise beyond her years and her testimony is proof of god's fruit in her life she passionately advocates for children to be raised separately from our cultural standards and believes families are the bedrock to a successful society. She speaks boldly about God as the center of the family unit is the only way in which it can thrive. So today we're going to continue equipping parents how to raise up amazing children to grow up and love the Lord despite the culture they've been born into. And what better person to have this conversation with than my new friend, Allison Props. Allison, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: I am so excited to talk with you. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So before we get into the whole nitty gritty of your testimony, which I so want to go there, um, go ahead and share a little more about yourself. Like, where do you live?
1: What's your family life like? What's your day to day? All that fun stuff. So I'm a stay at home mom. I homeschool my six kids. We live on the Blue Mountains in Virginia. We're really close to West Virginia. Um, we're in a amazing mountainous community. There's about, there's a house on about every acre. So we have neighbors that are kind of close. Um, but I like it a lot cause it's wooded neighborhoods. It's like one of those neighborhoods that they didn't tear down the whole lot before they built the house. They like just tore down what was necessary to build the house, which I love cause I love trees and mm-hmm. being outside. So I homeschool the kids and I, my kids are ages, um, three months to 10 I really love unschooling in Charlotte Mason style. So we do a lot of reading and a lot of just learning as we do life. My husband works full time. So I'm at home. Um, we I wouldn't really say like we homestead compared to most people. We like kind of do. We have chickens <laughs> in a garden and we had goats at one point in time, but he worked so much that it was like a little bit too much for me to like do everything on my own. I'm like, goodness gracious, how do people do this way back when? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's a little bit of, of our life. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I have a pregnant goat right now that um, it was not a planned pregnancy. (laughs) (laughs) So I totally was up last night for probably an hour and a half in the middle of the night at like 3.30, uh, hitting my husband going... Please tell me you have a plan for the barn because it is not ready right now. And he's like, I have a plan. I'm like, you're lying. You don't have a plan. He's like, Hannah, go to sleep. (laughs) I was so worried about it. So anyways, she is going to pop in. I think her due date is like May 11th. Mm -hmm. It's like we are running out of time. Okay. (laughs) I digress. So, oh, man, I really want to hear your story. Um, I read a little bit about your testimony, but I want – our listeners to hear your story because I think it's such a redemptive story and faith building to hear everything God has transformed in your life. Um, so go ahead and share uh, your testimony with us and how you got to where you are in Christ today.
1: Yeah, I so I got pregnant when I was very young. I was 16 when I got pregnant and gave birth to my oldest daughter just a couple of weeks after I had turned 17. Uh, right away, we 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 actually had a family meeting when I when I had to tell everybody that I was pregnant and nobody was for abortion. That wasn't really even. I thought about it for a split second before we had to you know, tell all, all of our parents. Um, but when we sat down and when we had this meeting, what was mostly thrown out there was adoption repeatedly. is just everybody was kind of like, maybe you should do adoption. Maybe you're too young. I was still in high school um, my boyfriend at the time, he's my husband now, but he was still in high school and we talked about it and we decided, no, I think that, I think that we want to do this family thing. I think that we want to try. Um, we were both raised in a Christian household. So I, I don't know if we were really walking with God, but we kind of like had an idea about the right thing to do. And we were like, we should probably try to be a family unit. We didn't want a broken family. I was from a broken family and I definitely didn't want my kid to be raised in a broken family. So I said, let's, let's get married. Let's try to make this work. And everybody who supported that was an advocate for getting married as soon as possible. Um, we actually had somebody at that time who, who, he had this funny analogy and he was like, it's like a Thanksgiving meal. You don't say a long prayer before a Thanksgiving meal. You say a quick prayer because you just want to eat the food. And he was like, you guys need to get married. Just get married. If this is what you want, if you want family, if you want to be together, you know, get married. So we got married and right away, we actually got married at 17 and 18. My dad had to sign me over and I still actually had about a month left in high school. Uh, but we got married and moved into a basement apartment, small little basement apartment. And I actually had baby number two soon after that. So for anybody who's not keeping track, I was 18 married and I had two kids and I I wanted to be the best mom right away. Like, I already felt so much shame, you know, for what I had done. And and when you're pregnant young, it's not like other sin. You It's like you literally walk around with the evidence attached to you. And I think psychologically, that does a lot to somebody, especially in high school, you know, like I did a lot of sitting alone and being outcasted and not really having any friends. Because um, I was pregnant while I was in high school, I actually gave birth to my daughter in November. So I was pregnant for some time in high school. Um but we got married and right away I wanted to do the best that I could. I wanted to be a stay at home mom. I wanted to, you know, have all of the rooms be perfect and and have a meal ready when he got home from work and, you know, poor me because I literally couldn't even cook. I didn't even know how to make a meal. Um, so I just wanted to be the best, though. I wanted everything to be perfect. And 6 months in I started struggling a lot. I uh, just started buckling down under the pressure of motherhood, of being at home, of having two kids and you know my husband was struggling with a lot of stuff too and we've shared our joint testimony many times and and he'll even tell you he was struggling with gaming addiction, he always wanted to be playing video games and he was struggling with pornography and he at the time and he'll even say this, he was just very selfish. He didn't understand what was required of him when when you're married and when you have kids and that type of responsibility and of course we were just starting out sure. so i i didn't really know either but you know about 6 months in i just started to crack down under the pressure um i started to, to believe these lies really like the enemy really took over my mind and i started to believe that we would never get out of where we were we would always be poor and i would always feel shame and he would always struggle with what he was struggling with and just started mm-hmm. to believe these lies. And it made me very angry at God. I got very, very resentful at my kids, at my husband. And I watched, ev- I watched my peers all choose their career path and choose college yeah. and choose who they were going to date and choose where they were going to go. And we only had one car. Like I couldn't even leave the house. I was stuck at home with these kids all the time. And and I was really overwhelmed and anxious, and I didn't know what to do about it because I was so busy wearing the mask of no. I cleaned up my mess. I got married. I fixed it. Everything's fine. Right. Um, but as anybody knows, that only lasts so long. And eventually, what happened is um, I was one day I was talking to God, and and I just was so angry that I said, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. Like I don't want to walk with mm-hmm. you if this is what's required. If I'm here trying to make it right and it's even more difficult, I don't want this. Like I'm trying to make things better. And so I basically gave God the middle finger and was like, I'm done. And it's it's almost like as soon as I did that, this veil of protection was removed from my life because immediately things just spiraled out of control within just wow. months. Um, and I got a job like right away because I just couldn't handle being at home with the kids. So I started working part time. And I started going out with friends and I remember vividly the first time I went out with friends and we're all drinking and mind you, I'm 18, you know, so I'm hanging out with 21 year olds and and I'm, I drank and I got inebriated. And as soon as I did that feeling of finally being able to relax kind of became my God. And I needed to pursue that. I needed to be, I needed to have some type of alcohol in my system to be relaxed and that led to me going out whenever I could and even paying people who were older than me so that I could have alcohol at home because I just couldn't, I couldn't stand to even be at home, you know, and be sober. And I was building a lot of resentment and anger towards my husband to the point where I wasn't even really talking to him. I was so angry at him. And the drinking led to just promiscuity, just insane promiscuity, just really doing whatever I wanted and ignoring my husband and trying to pursue attention from other men. And eventually I had to tell my husband because I wanted a divorce. I didn't want to be married with him anymore. I was done. And I had to tell him, you know, I don't really want to be married to you. Things aren't getting better. And there's other people that I would rather go live with. And so I'm, I'm done. And I remember when I told him, it, it, it was like a ton of bricks. He was very, because his lifestyle was so selfish, he was very naive to anything that was going on in my world. And he'll even tell you, he kind of thought like, well, if she's out drinking, at least I can play video games and she's not going <laughs> to like bother me. And, um, so I'm, I'm out being promiscuous and it actually led to him losing his job. Cause I was coming back home at four in the morning and just sick to my stomach and he'd have to stay home and watch the kids. And that led to him even losing his job. And so, you know, here we are living in this mess and and I had talked about divorce for a couple of months, but I was like, I need to stop talking. I need to just do it. Like, I need to just go to the courthouse. I don't know how to get a divorce, but I just need to go to the courthouse and figure out how to do this. And so one day after work, I was like going to go to the courthouse. And a um, little sidetrack note, my my dad and my stepmom, every summer, they lead a group to a, on a mission trip to Jamaica. And they don't do it through an organization. They, they simply just have connections with some people in Jamaica and they both have servant hearts. And so they'll take people from various churches in the area, a small group, and they'll go. And of course, we were invited to go because we're family. But as our life spun out of control, we, we didn't have the money to go. We were making $400 a week. We didn't have babysitters for the kids. And I hated Zach's guts. So I was like, I'm not, we can't really go. We have nothing to offer, like spiritually. Um, but anyways, back to my story. So here I am going to the courthouse to get this divorce. And there's only two times I've audibly heard God speak or the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit speak. Mm-hmm. And this was one of those times. And he said, you need to go to Jamaica. Your life depends on it. Wow. And it put the fear of the Lord in me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and I, I was like, what do I do? Like, I was like, is this real? <laughs> like, and, so I went home I, and I told him, you know, this is so weird. But I really, really, really think that we're supposed to try to go to Jamaica and he is like, uh, OK, I mean, he is more for our marriage than I was. And and when I had to tell him everything that was going on, I, it really broke his heart and he wanted to try to fix it. But I I just kept telling him it's too far gone. It's too late. So, you know, we told my parents, I think that we're supposed to go and we don't have money and we don't have babysitters. I don't really know how it's possible, but I really, really, really feel like we're supposed to go. And within about two weeks, somebody paid for our entire trip and somebody else stepped up and offered to watch our kids for us. Wow. And so the first couple days of that trip were not very fun. I was very angry. I did not know why I was there. I was very confused. I just kept thinking when I get back home, like I'm still going to go get this divorce. Like I'm still done, you know? And, but after the first two or three days of that trip, um, Zach, Zach was like, how about we do a devotional every morning? How, How about we sit and just do a devotional? And I was like, I guess, and he was begging me. He was like, please just give me one more chance. Like when we mm-hmm. get back home, if you still feel this strongly about divorce, like I will let you, but just give me one more chance. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, it's fine. You know, thinking the jokes on you. Cause like I'm stubborn and I've made up my mind, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there we were sitting under the palm trees in Jamaica and I'll never forget him just reading scripture to me from these devotionals. And just as he did that, just the hardness that was around my heart just started to break off. And it was like, my eyes were truly open as he's reading me scripture. And Mm -hmm. he's, he's a great dad and he's always wanted to have kids. And he's very, very great with kids. He's actually like supernaturally gifted with kids. And I'm watching him play with these orphans and and Mm -hmm. hold these babies and just love on people, even the women in the kitchen, like he loves cooking. And so he was in the kitchen helping these women and Something around me just started to break. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually what matters. Like this is supposed to be everything to me. And I started to see God again. And mm, that's awesome. We yeah, we came back to the States. Um, he didn't have a job because he was let go like two weeks before we went to Jamaica. And as we were boarding the plane to go to Jamaica, he actually got a call from the person that we were whose basement we were living in. And and she said i need you to get out like i don't want you guys living here anymore mm. so when you come back you need to pack your bags and you need to go and we came back to the states with no job n- no home literally nothing but we we actually had everything that we needed because we had god mm. and that was that was Beautiful. all that was all that we needed to get back on our feet and surely enough doors started opening and people started helping us and we we went to counseling right away And, you know, I tell, when I tell my testimony, I don't ever want to give anybody the illusion that it was like, and then in one year, like everything was perfect and everything was great (laughs) because it truly took a long time for us to, I mean, we're about to celebrate 10 years, as you said in the intro. And I wouldn't even say until three years ago, we started seeing fruit in our marriage. And my husband and I both love the analogy of um, trees and bearing fruit because a lot of people don't know this, but trees don't actually bear fruit for several years. You plant it and you have to keep it safe, but you don't reach peak harvest until like eight, 10 years. And I don't ever want to give anybody the illusion that it was just, and some people have a story where it was like, I came back home and I was not addicted and I didn't struggle and I didn't want my sin, but Mm -hmm. both my husband and I will tell you it was years of of learning the true nature of sin. And it's, it just goes back to the garden. It's that lie. It's an overpromise mm-hmm. and an under deliver yeah. where the enemy says like, surely you're not going to die. You know, everything's going to be great. And it's so interesting because as you read on through Genesis and when you get to the lineage lines, it repeats again and again, then he died, then he died, then he died. And the enemy, those lies in my head that you're not free and it's never going to get better. And it, if you go to your own thing, it'll be better. It was an over promise that the enemy was going to under deliver, you know, on, and it took years, but we're at a point now where we're just like, this is everything. And once again, like you said, in my intro, this, the family unit, even though it's hard, it's good and it's right. And this is the bedrock of society. And if we invest in our family units and in our marriage, even when it's hard, then we, we will turn the country around. Like we will change things. And you know, one more thing, the analogy that I love to use is because a lot of people in our society, you know, they go to extremes. Everybody's very argumentative and, and they want to go to like, well, what if somebody's in a relationship where they're really, really, they need divorce or their life depends on it, or they're being beaten to a bloody pulp. And what I always tell people, one is we have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to really lead and guide us. But two, a great analogy is if you think about a car, you know, if I if I have a flat tire, And I tell you, oh, I need to get a new car. I need to like, my Mm -hmm. car is done. I have a flat tire. Or if my spark plugs are out and I'm like, my spark plugs are out and they're a lot of money and I really can't, (laughs) I can't replace them. I got to like chuck my car. You'd think I'm ridiculous. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and there's a difference between a blown engine, something that is just, you, it doesn't, it won't work and, and needing to just fix a couple of things, you know? So, Yeah.
0: No, that's awesome! Wow, thank you so much for going through all of that. That's a, it's so happy. Um, I had tears in my eyes as you were going through that. Just an amazing, amazing power that God has. Um, that He not only did for you, but can do for anyone that is yeah. open enough. I mean, your your heart was so hard, but you allowed it to soften, and that is only something that God can do in us. Um, so just to kind of switch gears a little bit, so you've expressed, um, being an advocate for, you know, certain things in kid's life, like for instance, you homeschool, um, delayed smartphone usage, um, why, and just among like tons of other cultural issues, right. And feel free to talk about anything that God has on your heart, but, why exactly do you find this especially as such a young mom with so many kids why do you find this so important for our children
1: So ironically I think it's because I'm such a young mom that I find this important because I have a very interesting perspective getting pregnant so young and having such a quick turnaround of like wilderness to walking with God and I actually had social media when I was in high school like I have me- I would get on the bus and check Facebook and check Instagram I was a teenager receiving Snapchats and I had a quick turnaround to being a mom. Mm -hmm. And I have an interesting perspective because a lot of parents who know about these, they read about these, they're aware of them or they're aware of what's going on. They're not teenagers using it. And -hmm. let me tell you, when you're a teenager using these social medias, it's different. It's completely different. And you know the algorithms and everything it's it's simply like the reason why I'm for delaying it is because it's not good it's just not good for kids neurologically psychologically there is no studies out there that that say that this is good or that this will <laughs> This and even the people who bring up the oh well it's great for you know like motor skills it's like there's so there's a million other things that you can do for motor skills like give your kid a hammer and some nails and yeah they'll be they'll (laughs) be ten times better you know for it because it's just everything the blue light you know like the the parts of your brain that that are responsible for decision making those aren't even developed till you're like basically my age you know Mm -hmm. like they're not ready and so you don't know how to even get off or stop like your body can be stressed because of the blue light and you're using this device and you're, especially for girls with social media, like you're, you're feeling like you're not enough. You're feeling all of these bad Mm -hmm. things, Mm -hmm. but that part of your brain that says, okay, you need to stop. You need to get off. It doesn't work right. So you're not going to, you're going to keep feeding that to yourself. And it's just not simply put, it's just not good. And I don't, I don't want it for my kids because it's not good. And it, it is hard. And we're, Um, we're probably going to use a Gab phone. I'm sure most people have heard of that GABB. Um, and I first found out about Gab phones three years ago. And when I found out about it, I bought one right away because I was like, I need this in my life, but it's basically a phone that doesn't have apps. It doesn't have social media. It just Mm -hmm. calls and it texts and has radio and like some other things. But, you know, until our kids really need it, which is probably, um, you know, probably like 15, 16, you know, Right, I I don't really see any point in me, you know, giving them giving them a phone in the first place, and so I think it's just better. And I think we're going to see as society continues. And it's it's one of those. It's such an interesting phenomenon for our society because this is new. Like very rarely in societies will we see something that is new, and it's in a lot of ways it's not, but in a lot of ways it is because we don't know how this affects people. We and we're figuring out. And the sad Mm -hmm. thing is as we figure out, as these studies come out, as the depression level peaks, as the, you know, teenagers who are deciding they're transgender, because there is, you know, a psycho contagion going on, telling people things that are not true. Like there's all these things we're going to see just this split and who's able to function, who's able to further society, you know, and, and God can reach anybody. And I believe he will, because this is a situation that's going to bring the dark to light. But, um, simply put, it's just not good. It might be fun. It might be what everybody's doing, but it's not good. It's not right. Yeah. I love that you brought up
0: psycho contagion too. I mean, that is exactly what is happening. Um, wow. That's awesome. So full transparency, my kids have a phone that they quote unquote share and I don't even remember. It was one of those things that happened really, really quickly that we didn't put a lot of thought into. And we needed, my husband and I needed new phones. And it was pretty much like, hey, you have your kids with you and this is pretty much free. So here you go. And we're like, oh, okay, that's a great deal. And and it's one of those things that had I known about a Gab phone, I would have so much more likely chosen that. I think that is so much better. And I'm seeing... It's it's interesting. So my son is twelve and my daughter is ten, and they are actually the years that they were born. So two thousand ten, he was born; two thousand twelve, she was born. And there's a split in the generations um, mm. that year. I think it's on two thousand. I don't remember, but anyways, they're technically in two different generation boxes, if you will. Right. And he could care less about this phone. He really he really doesn't, t- I thought like he's going to be the one to like, you know, because he's older, like really get into it. He has friends that are constantly trying to contact him on it, which with homeschool, I appreciate that he has a guy friend that wants to call him. Like, I think that's mm. really cool where yeah. they want to FaceTime him like that. I appreciate because they're actually doing something that is relational, right? He, right? he doesn't spend any time on apps. Um, so that's, that's a good thing. They're not on, social media or anything like that. And, um, they, they know they're not supposed to be doing any of that. And I put a pretty tight rein as far as like, Hey, where is it? Where is it right now? Let it needs to go in the drawer when we're not using it and all right. this, or if they go, they both have activities where they're away from me and maybe being picked up by somebody else. And it's that like mom security that I feel better knowing like, Hey mom, I was late. Right. I'm doing this so-and-so's mom's picking me up and we're now they were late and now we're coming. And, you know, so then I feel like I'm not in a panic cause I'm like, okay, Elsa text me. She's on her way. Um, but at the same time, she, as a 10 year old, I feel like that other generation gap and just their personality difference. I don't know if it's just boy, girl too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if she hears it ding or buzz or what, I mean, it's, it's like, Oh my goodness. I have to, it's an addiction mindset yeah. of like, I have to see this. I'm like, no, you don't. You actually don't have to see it right now. And and so having to navigate that and parent that, now that I'm on the, the other side of that, I'm like, oh my goodness, it would have been so much easier to just explain why we don't have this than to daily or sometimes multiple hourlies explain right. to you why mom says not to have that right now like it's exhausting. So there are just times, and it it really, if it's out of sight, out of mind, it's like, take the alcoholic out of the bar, you Mm. know, just, just hide it away. They don't think about it. They go play. They do do things that are healthy for them, but if it's in front of their face, like they have to touch it. And so I am trying to establish better boundaries. And of course, like I'm on Instagram, I run my two businesses on Instagram. Like I talked about this with, um, my interview with Kayla Yoder, Mm -hmm. um, a couple episodes ago. And so it's very, it is such a thing that us parents have to see that is not healthy. And I, myself, maybe you can give insight to this. I have never even been on Snapchat. I don't know what Mm. Snapchat really is. And I've just not let myself because I'm guessing I would maybe like it for fun. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't need another thing. Uh, to, you know, p- fall prey to. So right. So what
1: is like? Are you on Snapchat? Now? So I'm. I'm not anymore. I had okay. to. Get, I had to get off. Uh, probably like seven years ago. I was really just like I, the only social media I even have right now is, um, Instagram. And if you consider Pinterest social media, I have a mm-hmm. Pinterest. I don't have anything else. Um, and one of the reasons is because being. A teenager and having those things and I mean you just mentioned it, having to tell your daughter she doesn't need to touch it all the time. I've had to parent myself out of that habit. Because like I said, I was riding the school bus every morning, like checking it all the time. And so I grew up partially. Like I've had a smartphone almost half of my life. Like I've I'm too used to it. And so I've even had to parent myself. And I've I talk about this on social media a lot, but this is why I'm very like I, I advocate for take breaks, like get off for a week. I know everybody's freaking out about algorithms. and Like nobody's going to see your stuff. And I've dealt with it too, but like, you got to take care of your mental self. You got to take care of your household. Like it's way more important than, than being known on Instagram. And Mm -hmm. if, if God wants you to be anywhere and do anything, like you got to be responsible for the little things first. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, Snapchat I don't know what it's like now. So like disclaimer, because I have not got on it, (laughs) I got actually I did get on just this last year because I had to make a new account because I have a friend who's getting married who's younger and she's like I want to communicate to everybody through Snapchat as she's sending like the Mm -hmm. venue and so I got back on it and it hasn't changed much and they they have like a it's almost like an explorer feed page and that is always just like it's and I sound like such a like old lady but it's like (laughs) Satan's app like I just don't know why like everything is about transgender everything is like this. 14 year old is dating this 80 year old like it's just the worst stuff that you could possibly imagine that's there for anybody who uses it Mm -hmm. and you know you have you have people who are sex workers who will follow you because they Mm -hmm. and send you snaps because they're trying to get you and like I said using it as as a young person like I had friends who were in college party life doing crazy stuff and like I I think we talked about this on the phone before but like I would receive like nude pictures through Snapchat that like yeah. I didn't want to see like I'm in motherhood sitting there with the child on my lap and I'm getting like naked pictures and I'm like this is not okay. there's no re- anybody that I want to talk to or send a picture to I can text and also why in the world do we need to send pictures to people that will disappear Like Mm -hmm. talk about integral issues. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's fun. I think it's, I think it's a trap. Like it's terrible. You know, if if I want to send a picture to somebody, I can text them. You know, if I want to say something to somebody, I can FaceTime them or call them. I don't need my messages to disappear.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even like, I don't know if it's Facebook or Instagram has that like vanishing mode.
1: Yeah. Like kind of the
0: same thing. And I'm like, well, that's, that's kind of. Tempting for certain people to do certain things, like it's just, right. and I, I don't think, I think with Snapchat because, well, especially myself, um, because I've never been on it, but I've read a lot about it. Um, I've read what, um, what China is able to do with it. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. but I think people live in the dark. A lot of parents, I, I especially think it's parents, probably a little bit, with a little bit older kids than you and I, um, that were blindsided and didn't have any of the data and didn't have any of the information. And now their kids are maybe in, in late high school or college and they don't realize the depths of what it's doing and what it's capable of. And even, even myself on Instagram, if I use certain hashtags in this, um, if I use, I think it's like, uh, Christian dad, Uh, If you look up just like Christian parenting hashtags, because sometimes I like using those. And if I don't go in there and delete some of them and I just copy that and paste it into my thing, um, I will get multiple men messaging me saying something really sweet and really endearing like, oh, you're so beautiful. Send me pictures. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like the Christian dad. And so I have to, I can't use Christian dad. Uh, The two times I've used it, it was just like flooded in my inbox. And it's so creepy, the instant, I mean, that's like seconds after a post that I accidentally kept those on there, how quickly the enemy, because he's working in these people's lives uh, and how quickly that that works and how much more quickly that's coming after your kids and how they don't know to say yes or no or to block or to run away and they need our hand on it and they need our eyes on it. And theirs aren't enough because they're not they're like you said, their brains are not there yet. And our brains develop like by age 25, right? They're fully, yeah. fully developed. Yeah. So okay, so kind of on that note, let's talk about sex.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> hot topic, button thing, not necessarily hot topic, but uh uncomfortable topic. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to address uh especially when we talk about parenting. Um, so it's just, it's one of those hard things, the hard, you know, everyone jokes like, Oh, this is the talk and all the thing. I actually think it's easier because I have a a godly understanding about it, but I know a lot of people Mm -hmm. really, really dread these conversations. So I'd love to dive into this because I know it's one of your passions. Um, and you have kind of an underground book, um, Mm -hmm. that will offer parents a way to teach their children about sex in a healthy and shame-free manner. So what does this mean to you and how do you implement this in your home?
1: Yeah. So first off, I want to say, I think adults need to think about if it's shameful for them to talk about sex to their kids, why? Um, Because that, that really should not be shameful at all. And that's something I had to grow through because like I said, I had the wrong idea about sex and sexuality. And You know, we Christians all the time say that those a part of the LGBTQ plus community have to change their sexual orientation. And I would argue that and say everybody does. There's not one person that doesn't have to change their sexual orientation because your sexual orientation can be pornography. It can be um, it can be things that are just not right. There's so many things that that we think is right because of the society that we're in that is not. And you need to allow God to come in and to fix that and to point that out because it's difficult for us to talk to our children because we're carrying shame and we're carrying shame because our sexual orientation is not based off of God. He designed the whole thing and it's good and it's beautiful and it's pure. And so, you know, when I had my turnaround, as I mentioned with my testimony, drinking and promiscuity was a really big part of it. And, you know, the promiscuity part really messed me up like that, that really messed me up. And I came back to my marriage back to God. And I still struggled with it like so bad for such a long time. And I really, I really was like, what is wrong with me? Like, why? Why am I this way? Like, why am I struggling with this? Like, I just never imagined that that would be a struggle for me. And I started thinking about well, why, you know, and I came to the conclusion that society had taught me pretty much everything that I knew. Like going to sleepovers, I was shown porn and Mm -hmm. that's not a struggle for me, but that was my first view, like first view of, Oh, this is, this is sex. Mm -hmm. And then all of my peers, everything is sexualized all the time. Like I was called nicknames that were based on sexual body parts in high school. Like everything Mm -hmm. revolves around this. There's no safety net. There's no correction. You go to the mall. I have a vivid memory because I was a mall rat. You go to the mall and Victoria's Secret, half naked ladies. And then there's, you know, anime naked ladies. And then there's music videos, more naked people, women dancing on men, like everywhere saturated in my brain. And there was, there wasn't a, a constant presence of this is what biology is. This is what sex is. This is what body safety is. And this is what's good. And I was even, I was even molested when I was 10 years old by my stepbrother, like, so there's all these interferences and I just started thinking like what would cuz I didn't want this for my kids. I'm like I yeah. can't I can't watch them go through this. There has to be a way to correct this. And it's not about making kids perfect because kids are curious and and kids are human. And so I never want anybody to think that like you if you create this plan and you do these things like your kids are never going to mess up because they probably will. And it's more about guiding them through that with grace and love than it is about trying to have them be a certain way because God's really the one who transforms the hearts, right? And so mm-hmm. yeah. my my whole thing is um we don't have the talk once. We actually have it multiple times. And also a part of that is correcting things on the spot when we see them. And sure. when I do the talk, my emphasis is on three things. It's on um body safety, it's on biology, and it's on um pornography. And I have three books that I use, and I'm sure you'll put links in everything so people can get yeah. a hold of them. Um, my kids are only elementary age. As they uh, get older from elementary age, I'm actually looking at a couple of different books that are a little bit uh, more mature. But I have three, what I think are very age appropriate books that talk about these things. And I actually start my kids at age six. Um, okay. And I read, I create a special night. Basically, I put it on the calendar and we sit down together and we make hot chocolate. And just that one kid and we talk and we bond and we read these books. And I, and I teach them these things. I teach them about saying no, like one of the books is really great because it's about saying no. It's a, it, it says basically like your, the parts under your bathing suit are your private parts. And we don't mm-hmm. play games with those and we don't show anybody those. And nobody's allowed to take pictures of those because our kids are are literally, like they're coming for our kids. Like they yeah. really, oh, yeah. really are. And anybody knows, like anybody knows that you, you watch even the kid shows, you go to the library, all of the books. Yeah, it's, yep. it's everywhere. And it really stinks. It really, really stinks for us that we have to introduce this stuff to our kids so young. Mm -hmm. But if we don't, the world will. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's so good. Yeah, I I go to my library not super often. And when I do, I always see even in like the baby, the board book section, like um, I'm trying to think of some of the titles right now, but it's just. It's it's so, so bad, like the amount of woke agenda books that are out there for our children. And I play this little game with my kids and we we find them and we hide them. And I've been told by a librarian that is a is a believer, she's like, You might not want to do that because sometimes when they get really, really hidden, then they order another one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh shoot. So <laughs> But anyways, I mean, that's something I've done. I usually take a picture and send it to, you know, someone going, oh, my goodness, look at this new one that just came out. Um, right. And my my next book that I'm going to write just really, really quickly, well, I've already written it. Um, it's in the lineup to get published, but it's really reclaiming the rainbow um, after God's heart mm. and his promise. And I see all of these other books and then I'm just so... Uh, it's just a confirmation of how much I've needed to write that book. Right. And I, I tell people all the time, if anyone beats me to it, like there needs to be 10,000 books like this because yeah. I'm seeing 10,000 of the other books. Um, mm. And when I went to write my proposal, even for sending it to publication, um, it was nearly impossible. There's like the section on, you know, when you send to your your publisher houses, like, here's different um, comparison books, like here's titles that are similar to it. And here's why my book is superior, or maybe Mm. why, you know, why, why I'm comparing it to it in the first place and do your own study. But it is so hard to find solid Bible teaching books about the rainbow. When you start Mm -hmm. Googling Bible and rainbow, you get satanic books, you get LGBTQ books, you get anything else under the sun, um, Reiki books. Um, mm. like just it's it's incredible in a terrible way, the amount of things that come up. And so when you say they're coming after our kids and parents don't believe that, guys, you have to believe it. They are absolutely coming after our kids. And it's really heartbreaking. And it means that we have to have this incredible root system that we are guiding our kids through. And that can only come through Jesus right um so you homeschool six kids and I think that's amazing I homeschool three (laughs) um so you have some amazing products that you've designed can you tell us a little bit about those for our homeschool mamas in the house yeah
1: so on the side um to to so raise a little bit of extra money. Literally, it's like $1.50 for everyone I sell. But um <laughs> I, I the life idea. of a writer. <laughs> I know. Seriously, yeah. So I had this idea. Um, because I'm a homeschool mom and I'm very minimalist and I'm very type A, the whole thing started because I I was trying to find a planner and all of the planners were like outrageously priced and just had too much stuff in them. And I'm very minimalist. Like I mm-hmm. just I just want a space to organize my thoughts. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to plan or I'm going to create a planner that just suits my needs. That's very, um, you know, doesn't have hard dates because they also had a hard date. Yes. It's like I have could to toss it when you only use half of it. Right. So it was like, I can only use it for this year. And we actually homeschool year round. Mm-hmm. So I don't really do like a typical homeschool year. I need to be able to like pick up and stop whenever. And that's the whole reason we do it year round is because you know family and travel and we're having fun and doing life and so i needed something that i could literally use whenever i need to pick up and use it so i created it started with this homeschool minimalist homeschool planner that i created and it's just very very simple you know it's got it's got the months it's got a place to write for every day and i think it's for about 10 months but it's a very simple minimalist planner and it's on amazon it's under $15 it's very cheap Cause that was another thing is these planners are like $50 and I'm like, I'm not paying $50 for a planner. Sure. And I'm just need to write down my thoughts in and then I'm going to chuck it. And this kind of turned into, and I am a writer. So this kind of turned into me designing some, some other types of journals. Cause I was like, well, that wasn't too hard. Mm-hmm. So then I made a family prayer journal, which I actually use the most. So that's another thing I talk about a lot on social media is prayer. Um, and it has a place to pray for your spouse and your child, And I created um, just a blank page journal and just various different journals. I have a mind dump journal, which I'm not sure if you've heard of mind dump, but that's like, that's like at the end of the day for people who are anxious or they have problems. And I pray over this stuff too, guys. So this is all centered on Christ, but um, it's for people who at the end of the day have a hard time sleeping and need to journal. And it's a therapeutic exercise of just dumping everything. Like before you go to sleep, like just dumping all your worry and that's got um, five millimeter dot pages and line pages for those who like to bullet journal because bullet journaling is cool. And I'm also actually right now creating just a blank bullet journal as well. I also have a meal time planner that I just released on there. That's also very minimal um, because mealtime planning, goodness gracious, it takes so... I don't know. Well, I have a lot of kids, but it takes a lot to meal plan. That's got a place where you can write a grocery list and just, yeah. just organize everything. I'm a very structured person, so... I have those couple little journals that I'm kind of just selling on the side to to help that's other awesome. people. Yeah, that's super
0: useful. All of those. I was raised by a journaler. My mom has so many journals. And we both have the same problem where we have too many journals and we can't <laughs> find the one journal that we were in. And so then we end up like writing in the other one. But you have to make sure you date it because it's finding yes. <laughs> people. Um, it's probably like how the Bible <laughs> was yes, written. It's yes. in so many different ones and then it had to be compiled Yeah. That's the journal of our lives. But, um, and then you forget which journal that you wrote the thing in that you're trying to find. You're like, oh, yeah. shoot, was it the the flower one or the brown one or the gray one or the the one with the, the, the strap or yeah. Right. So I think all of those sound amazing and perfect for homeschooling and a lot of aspects of your life. You don't have to be a homeschooler to use all of those things. Um, So that's really, really cool. Those sound awesome. And I'll share the links in the show notes with everybody so they can find your stuff. Um, And I love that you kept the price point uh, lower and affordable. So very cool. Okay. So I ask you if you would share a poem with us. So do you have a poem that you want to share? Yeah, yeah, I
1: do. Yep. Yay. So, okay, this is a poem I wrote called Motherhood Mountain. Motherhood is a mountain I climbed. I passed millions of trees who weren't thinking of me. My heart set on the top. Motherhood is a mountain I climbed. Her springs were few, but where they were, there was deep pools. Motherhood mad me- had me mad for the journey. When I thought I couldn't continue, I just started learning. Motherhood. The ascent took the breath from my lungs, and by the time she had her way with me, I wouldn't be young. Motherhood. I was tired of the climb. I couldn't keep up. I was falling behind. Took me years and no sight of the peak. The climb left me numb and weak. Motherhood. Made me lust for the flat grass and the safety of ground. I thought it would be better if I just turn around. I loathed the slopes, the effort they demand. I hated the bruises on my heart and my hands. But I knew if I'd turn back, I'd never really know how the journey from the bottom to the top makes one grow. So I pressed on through sweat and anger and regret. I pressed on when all I desired was regress. I pressed on and I found why motherhood is a mountain women must climb because the view at the top was worthy of the work and the time. So climb motherhood mountain. If some days it's only for the view, when you get to the top, you will understand too.
0: Yay! Oh my goodness. I love it so much. Thank you so much for reading that. I could just listen to you read your poetry all day. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Okay, before we leave, and I don't even want to leave, I want to just keep talking. Uh, <laughs> what are your top values that you want to encourage other mamas listen listening to make sure we're passing down to our next generation? Um,
1: to be honest, there's literally only one, one thing that I stand for. And it's just intimacy with, with Jesus. Mm. It, it really is like, I think that everything that we need springs from that well, without a doubt. And Mm -hmm. every good thing that I could say is really just something that stems off of the fact that that God has everything that we need. And uh, a point I like to make a lot is we think that peace is controlled circumstance. We think that peace is when everything is calm, when everything is controlled, when nobody's sick, Um, when marriage is good and money is good, but real peace is not circumstantial. Like real yeah. peace is when you are okay and you're centered despite everything that's yeah. going crazy. And not a lot of people can do that. Like not a lot of people in the storms of life can can be like I'm okay. And that doesn't mean you don't feel. Doesn't mean that you're not sad about stuff or hurting about stuff, but there really is nothing like our God. There really is nothing like building your life on the rock mm-hmm. and everything that I have been through, um, I was able to go through it because I kept coming back. And and that's not about you being perfect or you doing the right things. Like his love is so much more than that. And even when we aren't perfect, you know, just come back home, just start building your life on the rock. Even if you've taken a break, you know, like my testimony, when I got angry and I had to walk away, like whoever is listening, just come back home and just start wherever you left off, building yeah. your house on that rock. Because, Intimacy and going deep with God is like I actually don't know how people like parent or do life I or know. do marriage it's it's everything. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Allison that's so awesome. Thank you so much for being on the Treehouse Storyteller today. I love talking to you. I hope we get to do this again because it was just so life-giving and um man it is just so evident the power that God has used for your life and, um, just the beauty that you emit of his life light is just amazing and refreshing and, and so awesome. So I just uh, pray blessing over you and your family's life. And just thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you so much, Hannah. Wait, before you go, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And follow us on Facebook or Instagram at The Treehouse Storyteller so we can stay connected. Head on over to the thetreehousestoryteller.com for more products, artwork, photography, and encouragement. See you next time.